listening to the City Network Podcast. Our mission is to grow and multiply healthy churches in the Treasure Valley and beyond. Head to thecitynetwork.org for more info on our initiatives to catalyze church transformation and church planting. Here's today's podcast. So where are we going today? We're going to have about a 30-minute conversation. Mainly, it's just going to be Jim talking for 30 minutes in regards to sharing his story. We're going to take a little bit of a break because there's a lot of food out there. It needs to get ate. And take a little bit of a break, then we'll come back. And Jim will wrap up, and then we'll open up for questions. And during that break, just so you guys know, Robert's got some cards of some specific questions you guys might have. And uh, we'll ask some of those open questions and then we'll talk about some next steps and prayer at the end of it. And so, um, so yeah, that's where we're going. That's where we're headed. Um, without further ado, Jim, why don't you come up on the stage? And would you guys be willing to give Jim a big round of applause? Hi. How's it going? It's doing well. Um, you guys need to know that... Uh, when it comes to relationship with Jim, as you get to know him, like, you get to talk smack a lot. That's just part of a, the love relationship that we have with one another. But I'm quick to not talk too much smack because I learned very young as a freshman in high school, I watched a sophomore just totally take a senior that was twice his size down to the ground, and I found out the reason why. And the reason why is because the guy was a wrestler. And so I learned very young at a 15-year-old in high school, if you're going to pick a fight, do not pick a fight with a wrestler. And as you don't know, if you don't know Jim's story, uh, this guy was uh, an amazing collegiate athlete and wrestler, and so he's never gotten me in a headlock. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. Um, so with that being said, um, how are you, Jim? I'm, I'm good. I'm, I, this Christmas is very tiring yeah. season, so yeah. I'm sure all of you feel the exact same thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm good. Good. I'd love for you to share uh, just really um, your story in the sense of, um, I think for me in my own life, I look back in my own story, in my own life, and um, a lot of the things that I do and the way that I lead is built out of my own experiences and the things that were good and the things that weren't good when it comes to growing up in my family in regards to the church. And so I'd love for you just to share, like, what, what, is, your, what is your story, and, and what was it like growing up, um, and what did you see in the church? Because I think a lot of that has shaped, I think, all of us when it comes to how we do ministry and why we do the things that we do. And so um, can you share your story with us? Yeah. Um, my dad was a pastor. Uh, he's, he's basically a first-generation Christian, both he and my mom, uh, my mom came from a divorced home, and my dad came from a home that they went to church, but he was an uh, administrator in a school, superintendent of school, ex-military guy, really tough guy, didn't tell you how he felt, didn't know how to be a, a, a dad. So my, my parents uh, came to Christ uh, shortly before college, met in college at a Bible college, got married, and went into the ministry. And so... Uh, my dad was not discipled in the sense of knowing what it looks like to be a parent. Uh, he, made, uh, he made a lot of mistakes, I think, uh, as a parent. I think he, he thought to say no to the church meant saying no to God. Mm -hmm. So my family was always a second growing up. Mm -hmm. Now, that changed later on. Uh, as as he started to live with the ramifications and realize, wait, this isn't right, something's wrong, and you know it was me, I was wrong, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but he he was always super. Both both my parents are very committed, very sincere, very teachable. Uh, but when your kids are little, you don't really know. You know, you can still control them. You can tell them what to do. They do it. You think you're doing a great job. And then they, they start, you start to find out as they get older, you know, something's terribly wrong in some cases. And uh, I, I was terribly out of line, you know. Uh, the church was, uh, it, it didn't take care of my family very well, so both parents had to work. Uh, 
uh, we lived in a parsonage early on, which meant that that there was always somebody coming to the church looking for my dad, and, and which meant that there was never any time where the phone didn't ring or somebody wasn't knocking at the door. You finally get to play catch with your dad, and then somebody stopped by, and he's over praying with them, and there you are standing there with your mitt in your hand, you know, kind of a thing. You just, okay, so we're second. I get it. The church was not very nice. It was led by men who did not understand ministry uh, and who, um, you know, uh, didn't understand the spiritual battle. Anyway, anyway, it was just not a good experience. Stuff got into my house at a very early age because my parents were not at their post. Mm -hmm. They were at the post of everybody else kind of a thing, but not at our post. And so it started anger and bitterness in me. And uh, then later on, my dad became uh, the head of the church planning organization here. So every two years we would move. Wow. Uh, we'd plant a church uh, with seven of us. There's five kids, two adults. Get it up to about 150 after a year and a half or two years. Then we'd bring in another pastor and we'd move. So uh, I was always the, the, the one moving into town that didn't have friends and was trying to make friends and chip on my shoulder, uh, got, got beat up a lot growing up and then became a wrestler and then took vengeance on anybody that I could over those next years. Uh, Seniors that were twice your size yeah. that you could take down to the ground. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I won a lot. Yeah. Uh, was a three-time state champion and a college All-American three times, but it didn't, didn't really matter. There was just a hole inside of me that, that uh, winning will never satisfy. And so I filled that with uh, violence, addiction, uh, immorality. Uh, as my dad started to figure out in high school that things were terribly wrong, he tried to make adjustments, but it was too late. Mm. Um, so I, I went out into the world and made a mess. And uh, he, my dad, as I said, no one could ever say he was a hypocrite. He, a failure, yeah, there's a difference. Mm -hmm. And not a failure on purpose. He was absolutely sincere. Yeah. So when he decided to come and to go, wait, what, what's going, what have I done here? I need to fix this and get counsel and all those things. He pursued me, but I, I was having none of it. And it wasn't until I... Uh, hit bottom and I, I look around and all these friends that I thought were my friends uh, aren't there. I realized that the only people that were there were willing to be there, the people that I'd hurt the most. And uh, because he was who he was and both my parents, um, there was a time when I would, I would at least listen to what he had to say. And he started trying to press, you know, uh, I didn't believe in God at the time. He tried to say, there's plenty of scientists who believe in God. I didn't believe that. So he'd send me stuff. And, and I run out of money because I, uh, I was on full ride scholarship, but I, I would use all my, I would go get student loans anyway and use it for drinking, you know, and then I'd be out of money. And uh, he'd say, well, I'll, I'll give you some money for food if you read this book. <laughs> if you read this article. So he started, you know, doing that with me. And so then I, I, I moved from there is no God to, okay, there, there may be a God. I bet which one. And uh, so it led to, okay, it's Christianity. But uh, after a lot of study, the Baha'i, Buddhism, Mormonism, you name know, all the isms. Uh, so there is a God. Jesus is the son of God, which means I'm really going to hell. There's no way God could save me after what I've done, which led to the gospel, understanding yeah. the gospel. Uh, and then I said, okay, I will follow Jesus, but I'll have nothing to do with church, uh, which led to, okay, I'll be in the church only because Jesus said I had to be. Um, I, my dad was really good with analogies. I, I know I probably said some of this at Exponential, but you probably heard it over the years. But one of the ways he got me one time is uh, 
I said, I, I, I gave my life to Jesus, but I, I, at that point I said, I'd never have anything to do with the church. Yeah. And my dad uh, was still in ministry in a church and he called me and he said, I got this problem at the church. And I don't know what to do about it. I go, well, your biggest problem is you're in the church. <laughs> Get out of the church and your life will be way simpler. And he said, no, no, I got to ask you. I don't know what to do with this. There's this family in the church that moved into town, started coming to the church. They're super neat people, really gifted. They want to spend time. They want to do stuff with me, but they don't like mom. And I go, what do you mean? If you, it, just hearing that, if you knew if my you mom. you knew Bobby. <laughs> it's like, okay, not liking you, I could yeah, understand. Yeah. Not, I, I, I'm like, what? Yeah. And, She's you know, I was a brand new believer, so my, my first thought was, all right, I'll get in the car, I'll drive a couple hours, and I'm beating somebody's fanny. <laughs> that's, that's what, you know, that's where I went uh, in my mind. And he goes, well, they want to do stuff with us, but they don't, you know, they're with me, and they don't want me to bring mom. And I'm like, no, no, you're married. There's no way, you, 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 if, if they want to have a relationship with you, they got to have a relationship with both of you. And my dad paused and did he say, meant, say that again? <laughs> no, he, which, it just meant when he paused, I was like, what did I say? I'm going, okay, I, I know he's got me somehow right now. And, I, and he said, you know, that's how Jesus feels about his church, the bride. And I went, where is it? I'm not a bride. I'm a man. You know, I'm not, you're not, what do you say? No, the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. And where, where does it say that? Because I believe that the Bible was true at that point. Yeah. Um, and so he gave me some stuff to study. I'm like, wow, man, I'm busted. Uh, and then, you know, he, he started walking me through, okay, again, we weren't in the same town, so it was a lot of phone conversations, a lot of where he'd give me things to read. I started going to church, and it was just terrible. It was boring. Everybody was fine, you know, <laughs> their little church smiles and faces, and i trying to quit drinking and just... I wasn't fine, but they're all fine. And, and I knew enough about these people that they weren't fine. They're all jacked up too. They're lying. Yeah, because you got a front row seat as a kid oh, growing yeah. up. Oh, yeah. They're, they're all lying. And it's boring. And, you know, so my dad said, Jim, you're like a lake. And you got a lake, a good lake, freshwater lake has water going in and water going out. You've had water coming in all the time. If, you, if water's only going out, you dry up. If water's only coming in, you're like a lake that overflows and kills everything around it. That's you. You need to start pouring out. You need to start serving. You just need to start using your gifts for the Lord. I'm like, what gifts do I have? I can pound the tar out of somebody. The church already seems to do just fine hurting each other with their mouths. You know, I, I, what am I going to teach them? They probably didn't have security teams back then yeah, either. They didn't. <laughs> and so... Uh, Anyway, he said, you need to start praying about how God could use you. Everything you learned in wrestling, and I was also a head wrestling coach. Uh, at, at the time, I was the head wrestling coach at Bishop Kelly High School here. And uh, he, he, he was like, you, you, could, you can be used by the Lord using those skill sets, all those skill sets. A pastor is like a coach, Ephesians 4.11. And their job is to equip people. And you can, same thing you do with kids. You raise these kids up to, to be coaches. And you could use all those abilities. The church doesn't know how to do that. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, long story short, uh, they asked me to, me and my wife, at, um, uh, to be, um, to work with youth. And uh, so I said, I don't know anything. I don't want to work with youth. And, uh, but I did, and it just kept growing and, and slowly but surely God moved me from the secular teaching world, coaching world into ministry. And so, but I said, all right, I'll be in a, in a church, but I'll never plant churches. And, uh, so. And was that because of just when you thought of planting churches, yeah. you were thinking. Every two I'm years, every set two up years. crew in the morning. It was just miserable. I didn't want to do that to my kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, because in my mind, it was very specific. It was moving every two years, your kids never really having friends yeah. that they grew up with. Uh, I just didn't want to do that. And, uh, but, but over time, God led me 
uh, to that place. So uh, 21 years ago, we planted uh, Real Life Ministries in, in Post Falls. Wow. So, I mean, it, it, it went from... So my, my story is I understand the church world pretty well, but I also understand the secular world and, and how they see the church world. Yeah. And a lot of times the church world is asking and answering questions that non-Christians don't even have. Yeah. They're spending energy on, if we just had you know, a really good music team, we'd be able to grow. No, non-Christians don't care about your music. They don't like your music. Yeah. You know, I, I liked my, my, I had my bands going to church. I don't care how well you play. I wouldn't listen to that music anyway. And, and so, but other ch- Christians from other churches are bored with their, their hymn music or whatever they're using. They'll come because, because Christians do music that way. But a lot of times we're, we're doing things that are not going to reach the world. Yeah. And we think they are, but all they do is move people from church to church to church. So really when it comes to growing up and seeing the church, if you were to describe it, I guess in one sentence, what your experience was of the church growing up, what, what would that one sentence be? It'd be a bunch of people that what? Well, remember what I was most familiar with was the sports world. Um, I was on a lot of teams where people wanted the letterman's jacket, but they didn't want to do what it took to be national champion. So they were, they were fans who kind of understood about wrestling, but when, and even maybe they understood how to do the moves, but didn't have the heart, didn't have the, so I saw the church world as a losing team as a, uh, an uncommitted losing team that had redefined winning so that they could feel good about it. Mm. So like, I remember in, I, I, the last uh, coaching job I had was in Oregon. I was a youth minister and I was a head coach at Oregon City High School. And I went there uh, just to be a youth minister, but I went into the school. I said I wanted to be an assistant coach and help but their coach had, had just resigned. And they, so they asked me to be the head coach. So I went and met with the coach and he said, oh, I'm just so excited about this team. I'm like, it, well, first of all, what I've heard is you guys haven't won a duel in 10 years. You haven't won a match in 10 years. So why are you excited about this team? And he said, because we have more kids out than we ever have. I go, yeah, more kids that lose. <laughs> So winning to you is having a bunch of kids that lose. Yeah. How is that? A, that's not the point of wrestling. Yeah. You want to have a lot of kids that win. It's nothing wrong with having a lot of kids, but just having a lot of kids. Right. And then you have to define what is winning. He had redefined what is winning, having a lot of kids that kind of understand about wrestling, but actually can't compete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I see the church as being super excited because they gather a bunch of people to a place, but at the, end of the, at the end of the process, they don't share their faith. They don't look any different. They don't serve the Lord. They aren't committed to Christ. They, they show up. They wear the letterman's jackets. They put on the logo. They stand up. They sit down. But when it comes to them being actually able to wrestle, for themselves, for their kids, for their family, for their neighbors, for their, they don't even have an interest in it. Yeah. They don't, they, and so they think they, we, we've redefined Christianity to be a list of things we don't do uh, rather than things that we do. Uh, so yeah, to me, the church was a losing team. Yeah. And, you know, I got introduced to Real Life Ministries Movement Family when I was 20 years old going to Bible college. And um, some of the professors at that moment said, you need to get connected to Real Life Ministries. And I think it's because for me, I was in the same boat growing up as a kid where my, my family went to church one point. What is it, one point? Yeah. Two Back times. then it was one six, now yeah. it's one one. Yeah, and, and my family, like we went to church, but we, 
we never prayed at home. We never read the Bible at home. Like we went to church and I sat in and listened to sermons. And, and then I am realizing as I'm going to Bible college, man, I was discipled better in football than I was in yeah. my Christian faith. Yeah. And, um, and so with that being said, like that's how you saw the church and it's how you see the church. What was your dad, your, your discipler? I mean, was yeah, he your once, main once I was, uh, when I was a kid, you know, they would, my mom really played a more, a bigger part, but when they were both working, it, they were tired, exhausted. And, yeah. you know, we did go to church every week. He did pray with us at dinner. He did do some devotions with us growing up. Right. Yeah. Um, but as I got rougher and rougher and, and more out of control, yeah. it, it wasn't about teaching me the things that he could have taught me. I wasn't interested. Yeah. Right. So now he's just trying to keep me alive and out of prison. Yeah. Not, not, you know, let's talk about your finances and how you apply the word of God to your finances yeah. or, yeah. um, you know, there wasn't any of that. <laughs> um, but when I decided to follow Jesus through this whole, he did the pre-work in my life. He built relationship with me. He loved me. He let me be angry. He didn't defend himself. He, uh, he made changes in his life. He prepared the way for me to accept Christ, but he didn't see that as a finish line. He saw that as a starting point. And his role was to help me apply God's word to every sphere of my life, the home, the church, the work life, the, and, and, and to help me find, you, discover the gifts that God gave me and use them. And there was this process that he walked through with me, uh, just doing life with me. And, um, you know, it wasn't until I, I decided, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus and I start coming back to church, I'm realizing that the things that he did in church didn't play any major part in my life. Uh, it was what he did with me in relationship. And the problem is when most you, Christians don't have that relationship. When you say relationship, what, do you, what does that mean? It means phone calls. It means sitting over coffee. It means me being angry, so angry with my wife that I'm getting ready to leave. And he's he's listening to me and then he's pointing me back to Jesus. He's doing life and not just on the tough things, but he's, he's walking me through life in relationship. And there were family events for sure. And there were, there, we did go to church for sure. Uh, and he did point me to go to church, but it was what happened after church. The, 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 the practically going, what did you get from that? Well, nothing. Okay. So what was the subject? And there was the conversations that happened afterwards that started taking the word and actually applying it, helping me understand it, the, the conversations that happened after that. And, and, and I started, so as I start getting into to life with other believers as adults, I could see why these people were, had believed that getting the letterman's jacket and showing up for church was all there was because they, they, like you, that was how they were brought up. They're just reproducing yep. something completely different. They, none of them had been discipled. Right. They'd gone to church, but they hadn't been discipled. Right. And, and so uh, I even think about Bible college professors. I think about uh, pastors who are event-driven, putting on a class, putting on this. I'm not against any of those things. I am against it if that's all there is and you call that discipleship. And so what does it look like to create a community of believers that do life together, that, that take the word of God and, and, and talk about it, mull it over, properly understand it, and it's in, in, uh, in your, you know, you're preaching about marriage. I'm not married at that time. Okay, how does that apply to me? Well, let's talk about that. What, do, what about this would apply to you? Right. What about this, it, 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 you know, and, and starting to... to to, to not just talk about the information, but model it for me, yeah. uh, help me apply. That just wasn't happening. Yeah. And so, um, so my belief system was uh, formed around this question. 
I had, first of all, I had an experience of somebody discipling me. I realized not everybody had that. I remember when it came down to disciple, I graduated from Bible college and I said, you know, uh, uh, well, they asked me in the exit interview, and this was after I'd already graduated from secular college and made the decision to go into youth ministry. I said, Here, here's the deal. I now have a Bible college degree, but I wasn't taught one thing about really discipling people. And they were like, what? What do you mean? They, they, they had no context for that because they think it's transfer of information or that's, right. what, they, that's what they promoted, right? right. Um, and so how am I... How am I going to make disciples? Well, at the same time, I'm in relationship with my dad. And my dad said this. He said, Jim, in what part of your life, in what, if I were to say you're a disciple of what, what is it? I said, wrestling. He said, how did they make you a disciple of wrestling? What, tell me how that happened. And so I, I laid it out. He goes, that's exactly what Jesus did. You can apply this, even though you didn't get it in the church, you could apply this and transfer it over to here. Yep. and know how to do that. And, and so he helped me make that bridge. But again, that wasn't in a class. It wasn't in a, a church service. That was in relationships sitting over a table with us talking and yep. in ongoing conversations. Life on life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, there's so many parts about your story that I appreciate because like I said earlier, there's so much of my upbringing that my mom and dad, they didn't, they, they got saved and they went to church. That's all they yeah. knew. And so that's what they did with me. And it wasn't until later on when I'm trying to figure out, well, I believe I'm called to be a pastor. But what does that actually look like? And the scripture says this, and I know a lot more about the sports world than I do about the scripture. But then I start seeing these things that come together and go, man, like gifts and positions and, and coaching and equipping, all these things starting to, to come to the surface in the scripture. And so, um, you know, I've heard your story multiple times in different aspects of it, but there's just parts of it that I just always appreciate because it always calls me back to what I experienced growing up. And yet that's not what Jesus has called us to or called me to and called any of us to. And so um, I think you, I appreciate you kind of bringing that up and, and talking about your story from that uh, perspective. I want us to take just a five minute break. And when we get back, Jim's going to spend just a little bit talking about um, the perspective or the lens of planning real life ministries the call to be plant real life ministries, um, some of the fruit of it. And then we're going to open it up with some questions. And Robert's got some cards here. Um, love for you to write questions down and turn those back into Robert. And um, we'll open up some questions and then we'll talk about some next steps that are coming up with the Treasure Valley. And we'll spend some time praying together. So let's just take a five minute break and we'll jump back in. So this next part, and then we'll open up for questions. I just want to ask, uh, can you walk us through the, just the process of, of how, what was the process like for you in the sense of you felt called to real life ministry, or to, to plant real life ministries in Post Falls? And how did the process go from making disciples and then, you know, you've, real life ministries Post Falls is, has planted nine church plants or campuses and those have then gone and planted six church plants or campuses now in a span of 21 years. So how did you know you were called to Post Falls and, and how did that whole process happen? Well, at first it came down, down to I knew I wasn't called to do what I was doing. Yeah. I'd been in youth ministry 10 years and I was in churches that... Uh, Again, it was about attraction. It was about getting people to come. I was raising up kids, but the, the adult church had no place for them. There wasn't any place for them to play. It's about youth ministry. Yeah. And so, it, you know, as I got into the church, part of my discipleship process was I could bring something to the church, but now after two churches, those churches didn't want something new. They didn't want uh, to be disciple-making churches. They had redefined discipleship, they had redefined winning, and they were just fine with it. And uh, I wasn't. 
you know, I, I, I remember saying things like, you know, if, we, if, if, if in sports, if in wrestling, I used your methodology to teach wrestling, what is the best I would get? Once a week, we'd come, I'd show you a move, you get to sit there and watch, then we'd sing about wrestling. <laughs> and I'd say, now, if you guys want to try this on your little sister or somebody you know at home, go ahead. And then come back next week and I show you something else. You know, before long, you'd be able to recognize, hey, that's a single leg. Could you do a single leg? No. Would you have gained any stamina? Would you be, you'd be at best an informed spectator. Um, and, but they didn't want that. They, and they didn't want to grow. They didn't want to reach lost people. They didn't want to, um, they just had a completely different definition of winning, and they didn't want to change their definition of winning. So um, I knew that I couldn't, it, in the role I was in too, uh, I was in, a, in the first church I was in, it was, no, you have to do it the way we want you to do it. The second one, it was, uh, no, you can do it any way you want in the youth ministry. We're not going to get in the way. Just don't try to make the adult church that. So what that meant was when the kids would graduate from high school, they, they'd been raised up, you know, been able to do a bunch of different stuff, but then the adult church would say, shut up, go sit down over there, wait your turn. And, um, and I just couldn't keep doing that. So I, I knew that that wasn't uh, going to work. So what happened was, is I knew I was getting ready to leave. Uh, I didn't know where at the time. And um, I got a phone call from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, that were two families that had been praying for a year, that uh, they'd been meet meeting together, praying that God would bring a church uh, to the area. And they had contacted my dad, who was the, at the time the Montana church planning director. And uh, he had... He had said, hey, he knew I'd said I'd never plant churches, right? But he'd said, you, you should call my son. And so... Wiley uh, Bill. Wiley, Wiley Bill. Um, so I, uh, he, they called me and, and my first answer was no. No. Uh, so I was the head wrestling coach at Oregon City High School, and every year I would take my team up to what's called the Tri-State Tournament, which is one of the toughest tournaments in the country. Mm. And uh, so I took my team up there, and they found out I was coming, and they said, can we meet you? These families. These two praying. families, yeah. So they came to the hotel, uh, and, and I just sat down with them, and they were really sincere people. I mean, they, they weren't crazy, and I'm like, so you guys are asking me to me and my wife just come up here with two families. There's, is there any church planning organization? Nope. Uh, Southern Idaho, it's not Northern, you know, we don't do North Idaho. Montana, we just do Montana, you know. So you want me to just come up with two families? Yeah, I said no. They said, would you, would you at least pray about it? So um, I said, all right, I'll pray about it. The next week, I'm at another wrestling tournament uh, with my team, and I knew I was leaving, and all these kids are in the youth group now, and all the coaches were Christians, and, and I just love these kids. And um, I wanted to find a coach that would take over that was really uh, just a good guy. Mm -hmm. and, and that would see wrestling as a tool, not the end. Right. And, and, and um, so I, there's this guy, his name was Roy, and I... Went up to him. He was just a brand new coach in the area. He's just doing a great job. His kids loved him. It wasn't about wrestling, but they were getting tougher, you know. And I said, Roy, I, I really want you to consider taking my role. I'm going to leave. He goes, well, where are you going? You can't leave. I mean, this team's a monster now. And it, we had started a little kids program, junior high program, high school. When, when I first went there, the reason they were losing is they were all freshmen learning how to wrestle, going against seniors who'd wrestled since they were six. Right. So we built, we built a team, built a program. And... Uh, I said, I only do this on the side. I'm a pastor. I only do it to get into the schools. And I'd like you to consider going. He goes, well, where are you going? And I go, I, I don't know. I'm going to go work with adults. It's, I'm not going to be the tail wagging the dog anymore. 
And uh, he said, well, where would you go if you could? And I go, oh, I just met these families last week. And they asked me to pray about going to Coeur d'Alene. Well, why don't you go there? I go, well, there's no money uh, to, to go there. I mean, I'd, I'd have to, uh, and he goes, well, how much does it cost to plant a church? And I had no idea. I mean, I, when I was doing the church planting with my dad, I didn't know, I didn't ask those details. Right. I just moved this there and moved that there and, and um, got up early and missed all the football games, you know. <laughs> uh, so, so I thought, well, I just, that's a good question, you know. And I, uh, I said probably a couple months salary, probably have to do some startup stuff, get an office. I said maybe like 30 grand. I had no idea that they were starting churches for 250,000 or any, any, any of this stuff. I had no idea what was going on. And he goes, hmm. He goes, well, I'll give you 30,000. And I thought he was joking. I got, so I said, what do they pay you, you school teachers in, in Oregon? Maybe I need to do that. He goes, oh, no, I, I, I do this on the side too. I own WB32. I own, you know, I own a bunch of companies. I made $38 million last month. <laughs> and I... I said, well, then you got $50,000. <laughs> I went for bank, man. I went high. And I go, Roy, I didn't even know you were a Christian. And he said, uh, I don't know what I am. He said, my Learjet broke down, so I had to ride first class, and I didn't have anything to read. And I sat down in the chair, and there was this book on the chair, and I picked it up and started reading it. It scared the hell out of me. Literally. Could you tell me about this book? Well, and I go, well, what book did you read? He goes, it's called Left Behind. <laughs> so I got to share Christ with him, and he, he accepted Christ over time. But, but uh, he said, here's the deal. I got this business deal. Just pray that this business deal goes through. If it does, it's been held up for a year. If it does, I'll give you that money. And so I, I called up. I got back from the tournament, told my wife. Called him up and said, start praying. Went to my elders and said, I'm going to stay here. This was January. I'm going to stay here till May, and I'm going to go plant a church. And, um, you know, there was just several things like that. If you, if you could hear the whole story of yeah. all of it, it was like, I, I always tell the Lord, I'm kind of dense. you got to make things really clear to me. <laughs> and he made it really clear. And... Um, Again, we didn't start, when we started, we didn't uh, have a, a band. We had a guy that just learned guitar the year before. That's it, one guy with guitar. We didn't have buildings. We didn't have, we started in a theater. Uh, we made all of our children's equipment out of uh, scrap wood and painted it blue. I mean, there was nothing we did that you're supposed to do. But what we did know how to do was make disciples that can make disciples. We, we, we help people know how to share their faith. They, every, every Christian is a minister. You were saved by God, yeah. by grace, for good works, which God planned for you to do, right? So you're a minister. We called it Real Life Ministries because if you were to do a word association game with a non-Christian, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of church? Building. It's never good. Yeah. It's always hypocrite, judgmental. Yeah. Uh, and, if, and when you do it with Christians, tell me what's the first thing that comes to, to your mind when it comes to church. It's not, it's always a building, an event. It's yeah. not a family. It's, it's, it's a, well, we all call each other brother and sister, but it's not really built on relationship most often. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's an organization. It's boring. It's, it's not, it, it, you know, so... We call it Real Life Ministries because we didn't want unchurched people to think they knew what we were. And 2 Corinthians 5 says, you've been reconciled to God through Christ and you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Real Life Ministries. We are going to be ministers, each as individuals. Yeah. We're going to, every, every person that comes in the door, we got to move beyond I am the, the paid player you're the spectators to I am the coach and success is you guys play. So how do I help you play? How do I help you become a disciple that makes disciples at home in your job? How do I, it's about what you can do, not about what I do. So to change the focus, I was able to take the stuff that I had learned in sports, but really it's all in scripture. Everything that yeah. a sports team does right, 
you could back up in scripture. Yeah. And, and what does it look like to go, all right, now together, there's some things we do better as individuals. We unleash an army in every workplace, environment, everywhere. But, but there's some things we do better together. So how are we going to meet the needs of our community outside? Rather than point at them or ask them to come on our terms, we are going to go organizationally to them. So we went and started meeting with um, the mayor, the police department. Uh, So out of that, we went, okay, here are the needs of our community. We're going to mobilize people individually to, to share their faith, but corporately, I, my job is to get people in the game. You cannot get good at the game by sitting on the bench. And the job of the coach is to create places for them to practice and places for them to play. The coach sets up the schedule. The coach organizes the practices. The coach, you see, there's just, it, my job is to get people in the game. And, and what happens is, if you're doing a sports program, you start a little kids program, junior high program, high school program. Over years, now these kids that graduate become your coaches, and they're also coaching their own kids at home. Right. So now they're actually feeding you a five-year-old who loves wrestling, and their dad grew up in this program, loves it, know, and, and plays with them at home, teaches them. Pretty soon you've created a, that's actually scriptural. Yep. Right? And, and, and so not only are they playing as individuals and recruiting, you need, your kid needs to come out and wrestling. They're telling everybody about it, right? But they're, they know how to, they're, they're supporting what's being done. There's a language, there's a team. Yeah. Pretty soon, you've got a monster that's just, 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 and people just come to see, yeah. right? It's the same spiritually. It's the same. When, when, when you teach people to play, and they know how to play at home, in, at the workplace. They also come together as a team so that together we can do some things that we can't do as individuals. You are attacking a culture. You're not waiting for them to come to you. Yeah. You know, as, as we kind of transition this conversation, I think the thing that um, for me is as a church plant from Real Life Ministries that, that, I, that I wrestle with or that I have tension with is is that attacking mindset um and yet at the same time like um there's expectations as people are coming through the door about about you know what does it mean to be a church what does it be what does it mean to um be a christian and all those different things and and one of the questions that people asked um was when is it when is it time to maybe give up on discipling someone when their motive is just knowledge not not transformation. There's just knowledge not to equip the saints and make disciples who make disciples, but it's just about knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. Like, what do you do if you're in that situation and you're walking beside someone and discipling somebody? Well, um, for me, I want to make sure that people understand what I mean, what we're, what we're shooting for, what we're doing, what we expect. Um, and so constantly putting the vision out, you're a minister. It's not just about head knowledge. It's not just about following Jesus because you know who he is. It's about being changed by Jesus and being committed to the mission of Jesus. That's everybody. Um, going to keep beating that drum so that they know what we expect. Yeah. Now, those who won't go, let's say that there's the crowd that just wants to sit around and watch. We've got some events where they can do that. Uh, but I'm not going to spend more energy on them than they're willing to spend on themselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I want you to, um, and, and again, I, I want to create environments. Uh, you know, Dave and Tina Allen. Yeah. Okay, they're in Fiji. They were in my first home group. And they, would, they weren't going to church anywhere. He wasn't a Christian. She was. They start coming. They get involved in a little kids wrestling program. They're coming to life group. They're coming to church, but they, they wouldn't just take the step. Pretty soon, they're not coming to life group. Pretty soon, they're just coming to church less and less. I write them a letter, say, I call them, I pursue them. And then the last letter I wrote them is said, I want you guys to know how much I love you and how much Jesus loves you, but I'm not going to work at this harder than you do. Uh, I'm here for you when you're ready to get serious. They show up every once in a while. And then their son died. In a, car, in a uh, motorcycle accident. 
and the church rallied around them and cared for them. And, and then through that whole experience, it changed their life. And now they're missionaries in Fiji, right? Yeah. Um, if I wouldn't have had any place for them, even though they're not committed to be able to come around, uh, then, then, and I just cut them off, like, right. then, then we would have missed out. God, we want to be there for them, and God will orchestrate circumstances, but I'm not going to spend time, so much time on the people that don't want to be committed that I don't spend on the ones who do. See, a lot of pastors in particular, they want to shepherd hurting people, so they want to go around all the time ministering to hurting people. And I agree that we want to minister to them, but the purpose of ministering to them is to turn the, to, to grow them to where they're able to actually be a minister. So we spend our, our time chasing after people who don't want to get in the game. They have ex, you're supposed to be the hospital for them. You're supposed to be there. Yeah. Uh, but they're not going to live up to any expectations whatsoever. So what does it look like to go, um, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, you're invited to come around. Just know this, though. You're going to have to get comfortable with me challenging you to get your fanny out of that seat and get in the game. Yeah. If you can keep coming every week and taking that kind of verbal abuse, <laughs> then so be it, right? And, and they were, and they, they came, but, it, but then all of a sudden they go, this isn't working, and they got engaged, yeah. right? So it, it's kind of like in your society when all you do is try to rescue people who, who don't want to be rescued or who, who uh, you know, you, you only have so much time, energy, and effort. Do you spend your, most of your time, energy, and effort on those who come with you and want to learn and grow? Or do you, do you spend most of your time with those who are broken and hurting and are fine that way? They just want you to be there and comfort them when they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. And you have to make decisions. And so... Um, what I do is I go, okay, I'm going to spend my time. And Jesus did this. Uh, you think about the rich young ruler. Yep. Rich young ruler comes. Jesus invites him to come. He won't come. Jesus didn't chase him uh, and, and say, no, 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 you have to come. Well, okay, I'll just start following you. Right. right? No. Now, the Holy Spirit continues to do his work, right? right. But Jesus, as a human being in the flesh at that time, uh, both God and man, he, he invested in the 12, and really he invested in the three. Yep. But he had all of those people in mind, right? right? It wasn't that he, he didn't care about them. He knew the, the way to reach them was through those he, he discipled. Yep. And, and so that they would go, and then when they went out and made disciples, he didn't mean go do it any way you want. Right. He meant you just were discipled. There was a big group. I spoke. Then there was a lot of time walking on the road, me, me answering questions. It was both and, right. and he really invested. And it was those guys who then did the same thing. And, and so really intentionally invested all the way through the process. Uh, so that, and, and that methodology actually works. They changed the whole world without big buildings, without the internet, yeah. right? Without the radio, Life on life, Jesus wasn't saying, I don't care about those people. He was saying the best way to reach people is to actually make mature disciples who can make mature disciples. Yeah. I appreciate you, you know, the, the perspective of you, you have vision, you're following Jesus' command to go make disciples, you're inviting people along for that journey. Um, and those that don't, what I heard you say, you don't shame or guilt that aren't willing to go but you do continue to challenge and you do it lovingly. You're doing it in relationship and honestly about what we're called as as disciples. Well, of here's the thing. Most Christians were not taught that being direct in a loving way, being a coach. A coach doesn't go, well, I don't want to hurt your feelings because... Right. No, his job is to build a team and, and there's just this lack of candor and yeah. you cannot be a disciple maker. If you, will, if, you, if you don't have the courage to be honest, it, it, I, I hate confrontation, but you, if you won't be to confront, I don't mean like fist fighting, I'm talking about, you know, yeah. Justin, I love you, but you're wrong right now. Your attitude over here, yeah. and, I, and I've earned the right to say that, um, 
And if we won't do that, there isn't discipleship. And Jesus did it. I mean, he's our model, right? Yeah. Uh, and he was honest and he loved those guys. And, you know, he said this, how, often, how long must I put up with you? I'm sure he said that to me a thousand times, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I think you want to talk about church planting, right? Um, I think when we think about church planting as churches, we go, okay, I got to come up with this really good leader that I can send over there and start with, um, you know, the, the, the person's ability to run, orchestrate all that's entailed. Instead of, and we don't, we don't start churches that way. Um, if you can't actually do what you're asking everybody else to do, you don't get to be up front. What, what are you asking everybody to do? Be and make disciples. So if you haven't made disciples in a small group and branched a small group and identified the next leader, I'll never ask you to be a coach as a volunteer. Right. If you can't coach leaders, right. then I won't ask you to be on staff. Uh, if you can't do it from the bottom up, so everyone is a disciple that makes disciples. Some have the leadership gifting and calling, but that has to bubble up. You don't get to skip. Uh, you know, to this day, I lead three groups. I'm, I have a life group at my house. Everybody on our staff, if, if that's how you got on staff. You, we have 115 staff. All but three came from within. You know, all of the church planners, the, the 13, 15, whatever it is now, all of them came, they weren't Bible college graduates. They came, they made disciples, they were disciples, and, and then we saw that they had leadership gifting. Right. And then we gave them opportunities to, to, to coach in that, to shape them in that. And then we went, you know, some of you are called here, some of you are called to an existing churches, some are called to plant churches, and now we know what they, they, we know they not only have the discipleship ability, but they have leadership giftings to be able to do, uh, to do the, the weekends. But the, and then when they go, we go, no, you don't get to start with a weekend service. You get to start like I did. Yeah. You got a couple families, you're going to start small groups, you're going to branch small groups, and, and you're going to do that for six months to a year. And once you get up to 150, 100, 150 people, now you get to have a service once a month. Because we want people to go, we are a church, and oh yeah, we have a weekend service too. Right. Not, we go to church on the weekends, and oh yeah, we have a life group. It's yeah. a completely backwards. And, and every one of those churches, I mean, nationally, if you, go, if you know anything about Exponential, what is it, 3% of churches, church plants, are self-supporting after three years. In our, in our 15 churches, every one of them have been self-supporting within one year. Everyone. Uh, and it's because as you're discipling people, they get committed. They start going, this is what you do with your money. This is what you do with your, your life. This is how you serve. This is what you do. And when you unleash an army of people that are inviting, uh, they start bringing people that have been changed, been met, you know, and you, and you start ministering to people out there. Yeah. And that's part of being, being, you know, what is it, 10% or 15% of people serve in the church? No, we all serve. Right. Uh, so. so when it comes to discipling someone, and, and you know, there's, there's, there's a term that's used a lot right now, um, how do you intentional, intentionally disciple someone, but that it's also um, organic or... Like, where, where's the tension in that regards? Like, how do you, what do you wrestle with in regards to organic intentionality? Like, well, I think um, if you were to ask me what the priority is, it, the priority is life on life discipleship. Um, don't create programs that launch outside of your church that regular everyday people should be doing. In other words, you don't want an event sort of uh, ministry. So like in our church, if you're in our life group, uh, I'll just use a single mom that, that's in my life group. Uh, husband's not paying child support, took off. Uh, she's got two jobs. 
racked up bills on our credit card, no Christmas, so our whole life group comes together and we came up with $3,000 to, to try to help her, right? Yeah. We also have a ministry feed about 2,000 families a month in what's called lifelines. We have volunteer pastors of the day. You come in, they share Christ with you, they walk through finances with you. These are all people, a lot of people that are retired because that's, that's when you should be an unpaid staff member, right? You get to use your abilities. You meet these people. We take them to the food room. We have a thrift store. We do all this stuff, right? If you're in a life group, you don't go to lifelines. That's for people outside of the church that are in need, right? Yeah. If, if I see a lifeline, if some, one of our people in our life group in that lifelines line, I am not happy. That should be life on life. Christians caring for each other in their, in their church, right? Yeah. But then when we come together, we also have the ability, because we have a lot of very poor families, it's not a, it's not a high paying area, a lot of people hurting, a lot of drug addiction, a lot of stuff. We can help those people outside together corporately. Right. I don't know if that answers your question. So don't, don't, we have a sports ministry, wrestling program, basketball, soccer, yeah. football, right? We have all, we have turf fields. We have all this stuff. That's something that we wouldn't have a life group or a one-on-one -on -one Christian do. Yeah. I think the, I think the question, maybe, I don't know if you guys are experiencing this, but I think sometimes intentionality and organic becomes these two things that oppose each other. And, and organic, you know, I think that the Lord, you know, the, the Lord allows things to come up. Like you just gave that great story of the single mom who she's struggling. This is a great opportunity to be intentional. At the same time, there's these opportunities where people ask questions naturally and you're not forcing an issue or forcing a question or forcing a topic or forcing a conversation. It's just something that naturally comes up. And I would say in my experience in regards to that is like those things that are organic only happen based upon the depth of relationship that you have with somebody. Like, they have to be willing to trust me. All of relationship is based on yeah. truth and trust. Right. And so the only time that organic things are going to happen is if you're being intentional about building relationship. We've got a neighbor down the street that we're trying to, to reach for the Lord, him and his wife. And, and she, he's working a lot, but she was coming every single week for like four weeks and then three months, nothing. Well, he's out on the street just this last week. And I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going to be intentional about having a conversation and and uh, rolled my window down and said, hey, man, can I ask you a question, vulnerable question? Like, I haven't seen you guys at church. You were at Christmas Eve, but you haven't been around. Did I do anything? Did the church do anything? Like, is there anything that you want to talk about? Like, we want to know. And, and, you know, he was like, no. Like, we just got out of habit of going. We love it at real life. And we're looking forward to eventually getting connected to a home group, which is just right down the road from them on our street. Um, but in addition to that, he said, hey, you know, why don't we do dinner again together? And so just so that organic intentionality, I don't yeah. think they have to compete against one another. I think they work hand in hand together. Well, so. I think most Christians don't do anything, but others want to, they want to do an event. Yeah. Right? Like they want to go on a missions trip. So they get to live their life all year long as if church is church and who you are is, you know, but we're going to go and, and do an event, a, a week-long or two-week-long event. Yeah. And so you don't want to create a program mindset where you point everything to the organization. Right. Uh, but at the same time, there are some things that an organization can do yeah. for a church. Yeah. And so, and then, then are your people ready and equipped to go, we, got, we just met 2,000 families that needed food. Is there any bridges being built where we can move those people from the 2,000 needing food into the life group and yeah. start to deal with the issues that got them there? Yeah. One of the questions that I, uh, one of the stories that I love hearing was when Richie Shaw planted Real Life Ministries in North Spokane. Um, uh, I remember one of his key people that, um, I, I don't think he ended up going, but he was really fired up. Oh, new church plant. I want to go and be a part of it. And the question you asked him is, well, have you, have you led anybody to the Lord? And are you in a home group? And have you led a home group? And the question to all of that was no. And, and you challenged him and just said, hey, like, if you feel like God's calling you to go, then go. But I want to tell you something. Like, that's what you're being called to do when you go and join a church plant. Like, 
Richie's going to need that from you. You need to be that type of mindset when it comes yeah. to joining the launch team versus like, I'm just going to go and show up and be a part of a service. Well, and you know, same sort of thing. I get it all the time. Uh, we're feeling called to the mission field. Would the church support? Uh, well, let me ask you a question. Tell me, tell me the last person you shared Christ with and you discipled. Yeah. If they're not doing that, why would I send them to another country? Because when you go there, you're going to be asking those people to do exactly. And, and I, I, that, the first verse that's always shaped my thinking is uh, where Jesus said about the Pharisees, you tie burdens on people's back that you yourself are not lift a finger to help carry. When, when you ask your people to do something and you're not doing it, what integrity do you have? Like, and, and here's the deal. Um, I'm asking them to, when I get up in front of people and preach, um, well, I'll just tell the story of uh, the first guy that we sent here. Yeah. Right? Last story, because then we got to pray. Okay. And do uh, some next steps. He was a, uh, they hadn't had any decisions here. He, it was the only time we, we hired somebody from outside of our own DNA. Uh, another pastor, he was a big church, and he was a, a college guy that had just built this amazing ministry. And we thought, okay, we'll bring him down. Well, um, he uh, hadn't, they hadn't had any decisions here for a year. Yeah. You're talking about our church? Yeah. 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 And, when we uh, first launched. Yeah. And the, uh, he, so, so we asked, have you ever won anybody to the Lord? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he, but he had done it from the stage, right? And uh, he had not done it himself, life on life with anybody. So he'd been a part of a church where you preach a sermon, you ask people to come forward. And the point was, these people don't have, these people in your church service don't have a stage where their way of doing it is preach a sermon and people come forward. You sing just as I am 17 times. And people come forward because you emotionally got them, right? If you're not winning people to the Lord, you're not living the life that you expect your people to live as a regular everyday Christian, you don't have the right to ask them to do it. You didn't graduate past being a Christian to be a pastor. Mm. You're a Christian who also has a leadership role. So if you're not modeling that, if you're not living that way, why would you, how could you get upset with them or even give them, you know, as a wrestling coach, I had to get down and be able to show them the move and do it with them. Yeah, I'm not a wrestler, but you say that there's three, three things you need to know about wrestling. Top, bottom, and neutral. Top, bottom, neutral. I have no idea what he's talking about in regards to that. <laughs> Anybody else with me? Okay. Are there any wrestlers in the house? Anybody? Okay, one. One? So yeah, you guys can talk about wrestling. I'm a football guy. With that being said, Jim, I really appreciate your willingness to, to be here. And so I just wanted to show you guys that Jim Putman's got a website. There's uh, resources there. He's got a blog. He's got a podcast. And obviously, he's got some, some books that he's uh, written for you to take a look there. Jim, before we pray and close out, do you have any last-minute thoughts, words? Oh, well, you know, um, obviously, we're just scratching the surface and... Um, I think uh, what I would ask everyone to do is to go, okay, before I shift to church or change uh, anything in my church, I would ask, am I a disciple maker? Am I personally, I'm, I'm not, yes, I, I create and develop a disciple making system where everyone can be discipled as, uh, as we raise up leaders who can raise up leaders, but it starts with me. Am I a disciple maker? And I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to make all the mistakes everybody else is going to make. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't have to be the expert because you're asking everybody else to do something that they've never done, didn't happen in their life. And, and you have to step in as a leader steps into that water first. And, and as you go through it, you make mistakes, you're honest about it. Why are you honest about it? First of all, you recognize you do it. But if you're, why are you honest about it? Because they're going to make mistakes. So a lot of times we focus on excellence instead of effort and coachability. How do you ever get excellent without effort and coachability? 
being willing to get out there and try and fail. So you try and fail, and you talk about that. Pretty soon be like, oh, they don't expect me to have this. They expect me to, uh, uh, all right, I'll give it a shot, you know. And uh, creating a culture where people get in the game and try and fail, uh, yeah, this is the coolest part of this whole thing, guys, is um, Jesus chose ordinary, unschooled people to change the world with, right? Uh, but, but nowadays, we would have, we'd say, no, he should have chosen the Pharisees who had the degrees. He did it that way to say, I, it's about me and what I can do with my power and my Holy Spirit. It's not about you, your capabilities, your giftedness. You have the same ordinary unschooled people in your town that we have in ours. And those ordinary unschooled people are pulling off some amazing things. And, uh, and they're growing and they don't, and they get educated as they go, right? Um, but I would just say it starts with you, make mistakes, tell people you blew it, and pretty soon people start going, all right, well, then I'm going to try it. Yep. And it, it's pretty cool. Oh, it makes a big mess. <laughs> right? But the yep. church is making a mess either way. Let's make the right messes. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to the City Network Podcast. If you have any comments or questions, join the discussion on our Facebook group at thecitynetwork.org slash group. Or sign up at the website to subscribe to updates from our blog and podcast.